Welcome to the Way Church Podcast. The Way Church exists to love God, love others, and make disciples. You can find out more about the Way Church at thewaychurchrva.com. Now we hope you enjoyed today's podcast. All right. Hey, listen, we're kicking off a new series. We'll be in it all summer, so a couple of months. Summer in the Psalms. And so we're starting off in Psalm chapter 1, and that is Psalm 1. And we're going to do 1 through 3, as Luke mentioned. And if, so if you're taking notes, you can title this sermon, Walking in the Word. Walking in the Word. And we're going to jump right in because we've got some ground to cover this morning. These three verses, there's a lot in it that we're going to continue to dig out and to apply to our own lives. And so we kick off in verse 1, which Rothgate says, How happy, means blessed, how happy is the one who does not walk in the vice of the wicked or stand in the pathway of sinners or sit in the company of markers. And right the gate, you see this progressing of departing. It goes from listening to participating, essentially joining in the mocking of God and his people. The advice of the wicked. And the Bible continues to show us over and over again, the wicked is everyone who has rejected God, who walks in their own ways, made themselves as God. In other words, walking in the ways of the world, walking in the counsel of the culture, which has led, and this walking in the counsel of this culture has led to the cancel culture that we live in, who has slowly and systematically led to canceling the Word of God. As we've seen over the years, this cultural cascade that goes from, generally our culture used to be accepting and approving approval of Christianity. Then it gone to neutral, but now we're in a stage of actively hostile against Christianity. And we see it throughout the world, but it's ramping up in our culture specifically. And it's no surprise, I mean, one, Jesus said, you will be hated because of me. But two, 1 John 5, 19 says, the whole world is under the sway of the evil one. So are we surprised when we see things ramping up that's very deliberately anti-Jesus? So as we see here, happy is the one who does not follow these ways. Instead, verse 2, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. And this is where we're really spend a bulk of our time this morning, is this God's word, his instruction. And God's given us his word. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all scripture is inspired, that means breathed out by God, and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. In other words, God gives all of us all the instruction and direction and guidance that we need through his word as followers of his. Tony Evans puts it this way, the Bible is the voice of God in print. I love that. He spoke it. He breathed it out. The voice of God in print. And so if you're taking notes, there's going to be a lot of Bible verses, because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about God's Word, so we're going to go to God's Word a lot together today. And so if you don't take notes, but you still want these notes, we send them out every single Monday in our Way Church updates. Psalm 18, verse 30 says, God, His way is perfect. The Word of the Lord is pure. Which leads into Psalm 119, verse 105, which says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. And in the darkness around us, there is a light that directs our steps if we follow it. That is God's word. It does illuminate the path he's called us to follow. So this delight in God's word 
is set up against not following the world's ways. And this pains me to make this illustration because I really delight in Krispy Kreme donuts. Just really do. Just do it. And I'm convinced, I don't have anything to prove this, but I'm convinced that when manna fell from heaven, it tasted like Krispy Kreme donuts. I don't have any biblical backing for that. I'm just convinced of it. But when I think about this, they're so good, and yet they're terrible for you. They're fat pills is what they are, right? I mean, they're terrible for you, but they taste so amazing. And when I was thinking about this, I mean, isn't that what the world's ways does? Because, again, it appeals to our desires. And it can be so appealing and delighting for a moment. But really, they're leading us down a path which Jesus says is wide and leads to destruction. Delight in God's word, which is filled with the sustenance that our soul needs to survive and thrive. And we notice when we see God's word, we see that it's both filled with reviving encouragements and guiding commandments all throughout it, which both are good. I mean, just some encouragement. Let me list a couple. The first encouragement, the most important encouragement, comes four words into the Bible. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God. Listen to me. There is a God. There is. And I would argue easily that science proves a God and does not disprove a God. But we don't take the time to even explore that because we've just been washed by the cultural influence so much, more than we realize. And not only is there a God, but he is all-powerful all the time, always working, all things are under him. Proverbs 19, verse 21 says, Many are the plans in the person's heart, but the Lord's decree will prevail. And this is good news. And so there is this God, and yet he made people. And this is amazing. Why would he make people? Not only did he make people, he made people in a specific way. That means all y'all, all of us, everyone of all time, he made. Genesis 127 says, God created man in his own image. Psalm 139, verse 13 and 14 says, the psalmist says, For it is you, to point back to God, who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I've been remarkably and wondrously made. And so this is the good news. If you have identity issues, God created you. With all your warts and garbage, like God created you. Like we get so wrapped up in identity issues, go back to who you are in God. Again, the culture will say, just follow all your feelings, and we'll get to this, but who did God create you to be? Just as you are. That's significant and important. So it changes how we view ourselves, and it changes how we view others. Another person created in the image of God. And so we have God, and he, we have his, Him creating us. And then the Bible says about God, 1 John 4.16, that God is love. And this is important because I think we come with these ideas of who God is. And a lot of us come with, like, he's the anti-fun police, like, like looking for everything. Oh, don't do that, and don't do that, and don't have any fun. That's not who God is. Or he's some kind of God that's looking to rebuke or discipline or correct or smite. That's not who God is. He's loving. And so we have such a fractured view of love. God is perfect in love. It's who he is. And so everything he does and flows from him being love. And he proved it. He showed us what love looked like. Romans 5.8 says, But God proves his own love for us. In that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. This is what love looks like. Even when we didn't deserve for it, ask for it, 
Jesus paid our price for our sin, so we don't have to. And yet he's given us opportunity to choose to pay for our own sin, which we cannot, which is God's judgment, or take the price that he's paid in full and accept it. So he's love and he's caring. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. So he's caring and he's close. Psalm 145, verse 18, the Lord is near all who call out to him. Deuteronomy 31, verse 8, that he will be with you. He'll never leave you or abandon you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. And Jesus reemphasizes this before he finally leaves and ascends into, into heaven where he's ruling and reigning right now when he says in Matthew 28, verse 20, remember, I am with you always. These are encouragements that just revive us when we get just pounded with every other discouragement as we go through Monday and Tuesday. But then he also gives us guiding commandments. And this gets a little tricky. It doesn't need to be. But I think when we hear commands, commandments, rules, it tends to prick at our pride a little bit. Because nobody likes to be told what to do, and as we continue to shift more and more that way, we continue to rebel and reject against authority. But we see God's commandments are good. And when Jesus calls us to faith and to follow, it means actually to follow what he says and what he did. To follow. Either you follow Jesus or you don't. It doesn't mean follow and bring up what we want to do as well. Belief means to obey. That's what it means. And obedience should not be a burden. Jesus says in John 14, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Obey. If you love me, you'll do these things. And this isn't some kind of weird guilt trip. Like, I don't know how your family's raised you, but my family had some guilt tripping people. Right? Well, if you love me, you'll do this. It's not like that. Like, what we do flows out of a heart of love for God. I think about it like this. My kids, my kids try to follow my rules. They do. They, do they, they try and follow the rules that I've set in place because they love me, not to try to earn love from me. There's a huge difference because they know that I already love them and they couldn't do a thing to ever lose my love. I started loving them at the moment of conception and will never change, ever change no matter what they do. So they know that. So as they try to follow my rules, they do it because they love me. They're not trying to earn anything from me most of the time. And I think I got some pretty good rules. And most rules I put in place, I generally knew coming into parenting. You know, like good rules, like don't punch your brother in the face. Pretty good rule, right? Watch out and care for each other. Don't be selfish. Be generous. Help one another. Don't tear each other down with your words, but build up and encourage one another. And most importantly, respect your mother, Right? They're good rules. And then we have some other good rules that we put in place as we go. Some things that I never even thought of, but they've happened. For example, don't put Legos in your nose. Didn't thought everything that'd be a rule, but it is. Yes, use toilet paper. Yeah. How about this? Don't play with the dog's poop. Like for real, these are rules that we've had to put in place in our house. If it's not food, don't put it in your mouth. Use shampoo when you shower. I mean, things you think would be common sense, but not so much. And just as of yesterday, we have a new rule that we put in place in the house. Do not ride on the mailbox in the house. So as we go, our rules change, but generally, they're good. And my kids, they desire to keep my rules, again, because they love me. 
Two, they generally see them as good and helpful, even though they begin difficult to follow from time to time. And thirdly, and I believe in this order, there is a healthy fear of consequence. Disobedience leads to discipline. But it's a good thing, because we're trying to correct for their health and for their good. Proverbs 3, verse 12 says, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, just as a father disciplines the son whom he delights. I think about all of our kids at some point, around one year old, when they start getting enough like, uh, uh, awareness to start walking and different things, and we play in the front yard, and for some reason, the street has a, just a, an attracting effect on my kids. Like, they just have to go into the street. I don't know what it is about the street, but it pulls them in. And so as it pulls them in, I have to bring them back, bring them back. And then they get mad, right? They start crying because they don't know why. I want to be in the street, and Dad won't let me. So now I'm mad, so I'm bringing them back. They feel this correction, but it's awful for them. Why do I do that? There's danger in the street that they're unaware of. And I do that because I love them. I mean, if I didn't think about it, I'm like, oh, that, that street's pretty good, but let, let me show you a better street. I-64, that's really where you want to play at, right? That's where it's at. No, I love them, and so I do what's best for them. And so as I'm thinking through this, as, as me being a very fallen individual, God being perfect, how much better, how much more trustworthy, how much more perfect, how much more loving are his commandments for his children? Again, Psalm 18, God's way is perfect. Isaiah 55, verse 9, God says for us, Heaven is higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. And not only is God perfect, he's unchanging. So it will never change. His perfection will never be different than perfect. Malachi 3, 6, because I, the Lord, have not changed. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It means he's never changed. He remains constant and faithful. And because of all this, Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. Why? Because our understanding is frail, fallen, fickle. But God's ways are higher and perfect. So he's trustworthy. 1 Corinthians 13, 19 says, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. So it brings us back to verse 2 in Psalm 1. So in delight in the Lord's instruction, and this person who is happy and blessed meditates on it day and night. My question for you is, what do you meditate on, dwell on day and night? Think about that for a minute. What are some things that just capture your thoughts? Your schedules? Your to-do list? People? Problems? News? Politics? Social media, money, your career, school. I mean, if we're honest, any of things, these things, and maybe all of them at some point or another, can just captivate our thoughts, consume us to where we dwell on them, meditate on them. And so when you think about this, no wonder why we're stressed, depressed, anxious, agitated, aggravated, angry. No wonder why we're so worried all the time. Or is that just me? There's me? Okay. I'll preach to myself. You remember the popular song, Don't Worry, Be Happy? Remember that? I'm not going to sing it for you. But if it only were that easy, don't worry, be happy, wouldn't life be great? 
What happens when somebody tells you not to worry? Does it, all your worries just fade away? No, man. That doesn't help. Or if you're in a bad mood, be happy. Well, gee, thanks. I, I didn't even think about that. I'm so glad you brought that to my attention. No, it don't work like that. As a matter of fact, the more I say to myself, don't worry, don't worry, it like drives anxiety in me. Maybe it's just me. I'm wired like that. With God's word and what he continues to point us to is replace worry with his word. Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9 says this. These words, means God's instructions, that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be as a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your city gates. This word is constantly be in us, around us, meditating on his words because his words are good. Now think about this. How does, how does the Weatherspoon household practically go about doing this? So maybe this might help, maybe not. If not, just give me a second, we'll get through this. But some ways we do this is we actually have signs in our home that has scripture on it. It's helpful, man. Like Joshua 1.9, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Why? Because I need a reminder that the Lord is with me wherever I go, so I don't need to be discouraged or afraid. We have 1 Thessalonians 5.16 and 18 through 18. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything. So I need to remind you that there are always a reason to rejoice, even when I feel like there's not. And then recently, we've, probably a year ago, we got this Alexa device. Anyone have one of those? Yep. I'm just going to upfront admit, I was a little bit leery about having this little thing always listen to me. I'm just going to say. But, I got nothing to hide. We don't do anything exciting, so might as well listen to me. But what we've done with Alexa is set up reminders, prompts throughout the day. So this little robot is actually proclaiming God's word throughout the day to our family. Give some examples. 9.30 a.m. Alexa will say, Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. At 12.30 p.m., May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. At 6.30 p.m., God does not, or does, God does great and unsearchable things, wonders without number. At 7.45 p.m. before bed, we will both lie down and sleep in peace, for you alone, Lord, will make me live in safety. So what do you do to just soak yourself in God's word? What do you do to meditate on it? What helps you stir your affections for him and his word? God told Joshua, see, Moses had died, and Joshua is now the new leader of Israel. And so God spoke to Joshua. He said, this book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. And he says this, haven't I command you to be strong and courageous for do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord's God is with you wherever you go. Don't let depart from you. Meditate on it. Because his instructions, his word is good. And that's what leads us to verse 3. This person who is happy because he delights and meditates on God's word, he is like, in verse 3, a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its seasons, and its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. 
He's happy, blessed, prospers because of the Word of God. The lamp unto his feet. And we know this to be true. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says the Word of God is living and effective. And I love this. I'll go back. We've mentioned it one other time. And this research that was done by Lifeway a couple years ago speaks right to the living and effectiveness of God's Word. See, they did a study of a group of people that had time with Bible engagement is what they said. So not just during like just reading the Bible to get through it and done it for the day, but actually to see what God's Word says. In one day of Bible engagement, they studied these different spiritual disciplines and not much changed from without one day of God's Word each week. And they say the group that did two days each week in God's Word, little known difference. Three days in God's Word each week, little no difference. It was day four in God's Word each week of Bible engagement. They saw dramatic differences in almost every area of their life. I'll give you a few. The feeling of loneliness dropped 30%. Anger issues dropped 32%. Bitterness in relationships dropped 40%. Alcoholism dropped 57%. Sex outside of marriage dropped 68%. Feeling spiritually stagnant dropped 60%. Viewing pornography dropped 61%. And listen to this. Sharing your faith jumped to 200% and discipling others jumped 230%. Why? Because God's word is living and effective. Breathed out by God himself. God's word in print. So I just wonder, do we delight in it? And do we meditate on it? God's word is effective, everlasting, and unchanging. Jesus gives this teaching illustration in Matthew chapter 7. You know this well, I'm sure most of you that have been around church for the amount of time. Firm foundation in the sand, right? In Matthew 7, he says this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the wind blew and pounded that house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. And he sets up another comparison. But everyone who hears the words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house in the sand. The wet rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew, and pounded that house, and it collapsed, it collapsed with a great crash. And so we got to ask, what is the teaching point? God isn't really talking about building structures. Not really talking about a rock, not really talking about sand. So what's he talking about? The firm foundation, if you back up a few verses, he's talking about himself and what this says, his word. The foundation is Jesus being built up by his word. The one who acts on him. Jesus, with your life being built up by obeying his word. And this is what God's word continually says. James 1, be doers of the word, not hearers only. James 2, faith without works is dead. So what about the fool in verse 26? What's the sand? It's pretty easy. It's everything and everyone else that's not Jesus and his word. You're relying on your own understanding? Sand. You fall in the cultural influences? Sand. And a structure, a life built on that will collapse with a great crash. Because it's not firm. If you studied our history for the past even 20 years, 30 years, 10 years, you'll see how shaky the foundation is. 
Cultural issues continue to swirl, and they will. But the culture continues to create confusion. That's the sand. I mean, think about the things that just around us, well-intended people maybe, but really cultural sway continues to point us to look at ourselves. Follow your feelings is kind of a constant mantra. Right? Just follow what you feel. I mean, who's ever woken up in the morning just in a terrible mood for no reason? Anyone? Am I alone with that? Just woke up, I'm just mad. Or have a great morning, and then in the afternoon, I'm just mad. Nothing's changed. And we don't know about you, but those moments, I'm just mad for no reason. I'll try and count my blessings and do these different things, and I just stay mad. And I get madder. I get more angry because I can't stop being mad. These are my feelings. And I'm supposed to follow that? Or look inside yourself. You heard that? Follow your heart. Man, it sounds so nice. It really does. And I want to do that because I think I got a pretty good heart. But the Bible says something different about my heart. I want to point to you guys. I'll just talk about myself for a second. This is what the Bible says about my heart. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is more deceitful than anything else. I'm supposed to follow that? And then Jesus even expands. If that's not enough, Jesus says this in Mark 7, For from within, out of people's hearts, come, e- come evil thoughts, sexual immoralities, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, evil actions, deceit, self-indulgence, evil, slander, pride, and foolishness. And I want to follow that. But yet, this is what the society, any culture you're going to go to is going to push this. Follow yourself. Follow your heart. And it's what God continues, goes back to. No, trust me and follow my word. I am faithful. So is my word. I am unchanging. So is my word. Which brings us to Proverbs 3, 5 one more time. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not rely on your own understanding. So I wonder how many of us are relying on our own understanding, relying on our own strength, our own goodness, our own good ideas. I wonder how many of us in here are just stressed out, fearful, anxious, mad, bitter. It all comes from following ourselves and our own ideas and our own thoughts. Because we see what's going on around us and it's hard. We live in a hard place, a hard world, hard people. Because sin is rampant in us and around us. And so what do you do? God tells us to continue to go back to him and his word. So like we do every Sunday, I'm going to invite us just to respond to what God's prompting by his Holy Spirit in this place, in you, in this moment. So what we're going to do, I'm going to invite the band back up and we're going to sing one more worship song together because God is worthy of all of our worship. But worship for you in this moment may look like just sitting there and praying and doing business with the Lord. Worship for you in this moment may be repenting. Maybe God's revealed some things in your life that you've fallen short, that you've gone astray, that you've done things in your own way, in your own strength, and He's calling you back, wooing you back as a good Father who has not left you and He never will. Maybe for, in this moment, he's calling you to start dedicating to meditating on his word. Because it's good. 
listen, you prioritize and we prioritize what we prize. And so I wonder, as we look at our schedules, what do we show? Where do we invest in our time, talents, and treasures? Will it show that we devote ourselves to God and His Word? Because you can't know God's way apart from His Word and His Spirit. So finally, I'm going to invite you to anyone that has not really fully came by faith to the Lord to do that. Because my fear is we come to a lot of facts. We know a lot of facts, but little faith. A lot of facts, but no faith at all. We know a lot about Jesus, but never really trusted Him. I didn't see anyone you walked in today, checked your chair before you sat on it. Didn't see one person. That's what faith is. You sat in that chair because you knew it would hold you. We come to Jesus because we know he'll hold us with all of what we have, all that we are. Jesus says, anyone who believes in me will not perish but have eternal life. God proved his own love that he died for us, paying the price for our sin. When Jesus said it is finished, it means paid in full. The propitiation, the payment that satisfies. So everyone who believes, no matter your past, your baggage, your background, come with all the junk and lay it at the feet of Jesus. And he's the one that will make you clean, forgiveness, new life, following him. And it comes by your faith alone. So whatever it is, you respond in worship. I'm going to pray for us. We'll have a prayer team over here. We'd love to pray with you. Walk me along, alongside you. But respond to what God's doing in this moment. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for bringing us here. We thank you for the reminder of your goodness, of your grace, of your amazing love, how you desire for us to come to you with all things and everything and how we are able to approach you because of Jesus who paid the price for our sin. We can come before you on the firm foundation of Jesus, knowing that our prayers reach your ears and that you actually move and work. Lord, that you care for us. We, you invite us and encourage us to cast all our cares on you, Father. And so we come before you now just thankful. Lord, continue to create a heart in us to love you and to want to pursue you and to know you as we are known by you. Father, continue to cultivate our heart and our affections for you, Father. A, a desire to meditate on your ways, in your words, walking in your word. We thank you, Father. Lead us in worship. And we pray all this in the name that's above every other name, and that is the name of Jesus. Amen. Blessed Savior, Prince of Peace, the one who bore our sin and shame on a tree, bled and died at Calvary. Now we reign in life forever, we are free. And we sing, Holy, Holy are you, Lord, all the glory to the King we're longing for. We cry worthy, worthy, and bow before all the glory to the Lamb forevermore. There is hope and there is life 
When we look upon the cross of Jesus Christ, where all our guilt on Him was laid, He received our punishment, our debt He paid. We sing holy, holy are you, Lord. All the glory to the King we're longing for. We cry worthy, worthy, and bow before. All the glory to the Lamb forevermore. You paid it all, death on the cross, life from the grave, and forever you will reign. You paid it all, death on the cross, life from the grave, and forever you will reign. As we look to His return, let His praise be on our lips, His name alone. For this life is just the start. Oh, His grace will lead us straight into His arms. And we'll sing, holy, holy are you, Lord. All the glory to the King whom we adore. We'll cry, worthy, worthy, and bow before. All the glory to the Lamb forevermore. You paid it all, death on the cross, life from the grave, and forever you will reign. You paid it all, death on the cross, life from the grave, and forever you will Father, we thank you. We thank you that you're still ruling and reigning and you're still saving and you're still working. Father, we thank you for your death on the cross that we have new life in you. So help us to walk in that new life by the power of your spirit and continue to do so following after you because we trust in you. Our faith is in you because you are faithful. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Way Church Podcast. If you would like prayer or if you'd like to talk to someone about a personal relationship with Jesus, please contact us through our website at thewaychurchrva.com.